Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Thrive in EDU podcast. I am Rochelle Denae Poth. This is season two, episode number 39, I believe. I could be wrong, which wouldn't be the first time, but uh, yeah, I do believe episode 39. So I started my podcast back in September of 2019, and I've been pretty good about having an episode and in some weeks, two episodes come out in each week and uh, have tried to be consistent with that. So never totally know exactly what I'm going to talk about. Usually it's maybe the result of a conversation I had lately on Clubhouse, might be a chat on Twitter, or if I've joined in some of the many webinars or virtual conferences that have been happening, fortunately, although I am definitely ready to get back into the in-person conference experience, but I do hope that a lot of these larger conferences that many of us attend every year, I hope they do keep the virtual component and make them hybrid moving forward because it does open up a lot of additional opportunities for people to participate who otherwise may not be able to, whether because of the time of the year, the travel time involved to get to the location of the conference, the financial costs of it, or uh, any of the other many reasons that uh, might prevent them from being able to go to these conferences. But I certainly do miss them. In the last couple of weeks, there have been so many things that I've been working on. Artificial intelligence with my students doing some projects. Also, I've done probably 10 at least 10 different presentations on social emotional learning. I've also done a good amount on augmented and virtual reality and artificial intelligence. So always thankful for those opportunities, whether they are at a virtual conference or doing a short webinar or even just conversations on Clubhouse. But there was a topic, there has been a topic that has come up a lot recently. And I don't know if it's this time of year or just looking ahead, I have no idea. But the topic is kind of, has multiple layers, I guess. It is focused on communication and I guess collaboration and there is some engagement in it. And what I'm talking about referring to is family engagement. This time of the year also though, student engagement tends to be an area that I've noticed in the last couple of years, especially there that it declines and there are a lot of reasons for that but I haven't noticed that as much this year I think just because there are so many things going on and we're all juggling so much whether fully remote in person hybrid or some variation but I was really thinking about family engagement and over the past year just knowing the ways that I've been communicating with families even this morning just sending a quick update about my STEAM course, what we've been working on, what's coming up, about a great opportunity that's a possibility for some students hopefully of mine this summer uh, to apply to learn about artificial intelligence in Pittsburgh with this new program and so I'm hoping that a few of my students will actually apply and be accepted to that program because I think it just would be an awesome experience. But I told the students first and then I followed up with an email uh, to parents, families to let them know about it. So I'm hoping that I hear something from 
uh, one of the families that says, yeah, you know, they applied and let's keep our fingers crossed. So anyway, I thought while I've been thinking about communication and collaboration and sharing information, why not share some ideas for promoting family engagement and why it matters? Biggest thing is I have definitely grown in this area in the past year, but in the last couple of years, just because I knew that it was an area that I needed to work on. I needed to be better at providing information, but it is tough. This year it has been even more difficult, especially if you have students who were not participating and joining in class, if they weren't logging in, if you were virtual, or finding the balance, having students complete assignments or tasks, whatever it is, it is time consuming. But we know that involving families in the education of students is crucial for their success. And we have to go beyond just involving families. We have to really focus on family engagement. And engagement, whether student engagement, family engagement, those are not necessarily things that I knew a lot about or understood very well years ago. But I'm constantly learning as I go and I'm getting better. But forming these partnerships between home and school and even within the community where our school is, is essential. We often hear people talk about the stakeholders in the community. So you have the teachers and the students and the families and the people in the school community. And so it is so important that we all work together to help to promote student well-being and success and to have opportunities. And whenever we all focus on this, especially uh, now, if you're not in person, but focusing on those meaningful and personal connections, everybody working together, it definitely will help our students to succeed and to have more opportunities. And it's not just the involvement, like for me, sending the email. I, I need to find ways, we all need to find ways to really invite families in, to create these connections. Uh, my big word for the last couple of years has been intentional and being intentional in learning about our students, of course, but also the families and at the start of the year, throughout the year, being consistent with it. So in the beginning of the year, get to know families, make that initial connection, whether you send that email, uh, if you have families come in, if you create a video, I, I know Flipgrid, everybody, a lot of people use Flipgrid. I love using Buncee, create an about me. Invite families to engage in some conversations, not just with us, but maybe helping to facilitate some conversations between families and then getting to better understand what their preferences are, what their needs are. Do they like getting an email? Uh, are they on email overload? Do they prefer a phone call rather than email? Uh, consistency is important. If, especially last year at this time when schools were closed, Figuring, well, every student, let's say in a family, they have several children and they're getting a message from each of those or each child's teacher every single day. Just think about, I mean, we all get a ton of emails, but as a parent trying to navigate through all of that, it's a lot. And so finding something that definitely works for them and that works for us too. And so I recommend I start with a form, a Google form. You could use Microsoft form, anything that just gathers some information. You know, what are your preferences for, do you want email? Do you want a phone call? Uh, do you want a daily email? Do you want a weekly email, for example? 
Or if you have to meet, do you prefer to come in and meet in the school if that's an option or have a meeting through Teams or Zoom or whatever it is that you're using? And setting all of that up, having that information so that we can go to it and we get to understand what our families need from us. And then also finding a way if there happens to be any kind of, you know, a a barrier to family engagement. What I mean by that is if some families had an experience, like a prior bad experience in a school, or maybe there is something with work schedules, which is why finding out availability or best time to contact uh, daycare, childcare, those types of things, transportation, I'm just throwing some random ones out there. Those are big barriers to families being able to fully engage. And now, of course, with technology, we can use a lot of the tools that are out there. We have different messaging apps. We have communication platforms. We have lots of different ways to meet through video, synchronous, asynchronous communication tools, you name it. But it all starts with us trying to figure out what is the best way to communicate our information, to invite families in, to have a supportive space but also to connect it with what their interests and needs are. So that comes down to being consistent and communicating in prior years. Yeah, it might have been a note or a letter, an email, making a phone call. I know that home visits this year have increased. Not that they ever went away, but that is something that I've heard a lot of people talking about that they were doing. They're making home visits Uh, All of those are great things, but the only downside to some of those is in terms of, you know, the timeliness of something. So let's say you have, there's an important school announcement, school is closed. How many of us have had the phone calls, the emails, the alerts come through that say that we are not in person the next day. We're virtual, for example, or weather conditions and school closing. So if we're sending an email... I know a lot of people who have driven to school because they didn't check the school email. Uh, They weren't signed on to an alert, the calling system, for example. So those types of information, that type of information, I should say, it's time sensitive. And so we have to think, what are our options? And being able to connect and share school news and updates and important information in a timely manner is so vital to classrooms and, of course, to fostering the sense of community. And that all starts with getting to know the families, our students, building those relationships. And, um, you know, I am by no, no means an expert, of course. I just I'm thinking about how many things that I have changed over the last couple of years and even specifically this year. And I had read something from research uh, probably last year around this time. And they did a survey of parents uh, from grades of students in grades K through 12 who said that they simply, it would just, it would be fine just to have a weekly text message with an update. They came from teachers and a text message. It can be if you're using uh, Blooms, Remind, Classly is another one, Class Tag, Class Dojo. There are so many I can name out there. I've been really looking at Classly lately, uh, which I could talk about in another podcast episode because I try to keep these to about 15 minutes and I need to give you some other ideas, but they gave that survey. So it could be just a quick message. It might be a Friday update or a Monday update, but they did that same survey, I think five years before that, And not as many parents, not anywhere near the number of parents were as interested 
in that communication. But now with all these digital tools and the many ways we have for communicating, I am not at all surprised to see such an increase, especially I'd be curious if that same survey were given today to see what that number might be just because of all that we have experienced. So best advice, start with a survey at the beginning of the year and find out. Or if you have students from year to year, I teach Spanish and I have many of the same students from Spanish one all the way through as long as they keep taking the language. So maybe an end of the year survey, uh, but a survey definitely does help putting in those questions. So what are some things that we can do? Well, one, I mentioned some communication tools. We can use social media. A lot of educators were using Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, especially last year when there wasn't a solid system in place. And that is something that I've seen school leaders, school districts relying on more for sending a message, uh, lots of things, highlighting sporting events, academic achievements, closures of schools, you name it, but also having another platform. I mentioned Remind, which is something I had used for years. Blooms, I had tested out as well. But more recently, I've really been looking into Classly, which is with a K, K-L-A-S-S-L-Y, which offers a lot. And if you need, for example, translation capabilities as well, and you want more than just simply messaging, I would look at more of those kind of robust platforms that are out there. And I might follow up with another episode on here are communication tools, video tools. Why not make a quick video? We have the Flipgrid, for example, and you can post information. There it might be a daily recap. You could send that out. That's an option. Synth is fantastic for doing this as well. Or let's say you create a lesson and you want to make sure that students have the support at home. Using something, Flipgrid, again, you can do that for up to 10 minutes. Uh, Screencastify is another one. Loom, you could record your announcements instead of sending a message. So just think about when we get emails versus if you hear somebody's voice or you see somebody. What a difference it makes when you actually can feel like you're somewhat interacting with the person or you hear their excitement when they talk. So these video tools are great. Also, if you have a class blog or a web page or some learning platform that enables you to share information, but also that families know that they can look to if they need to find out information about class or events that are coming up or what homework assignments there might be. It, it definitely helps resolving some of those barriers that might pop up when it comes to knowing where to access the information uh, or not being able to be in the same space at the same time, like if there's a meeting, for example. And there's tons of other ideas out there. So these are just a few strategies, tools, resources that I can share with you for how to not only keep families involved and informed, but strive for family engagement. And it starts with making that initial connection and building those relationships and forming those partnerships with the families and within our school community. Because we know that as the students continue throughout school, if you are like me, and I know many of you are teaching at the high school level, our students need to understand the world around them. They need to connect with the community, the opportunities for job shadows or career explorations or place-based learning. There are so many possibilities out there. And when they can see what things look like in the real world and they develop their skills to communicate, to collaborate by going out into the community, 
it is highly beneficial. And whenever we can help with putting some different tools, resources, structures in place, then these connections will help to form those solid, definitely supportive relationships between us and our students, us and the families of our students, and between the school and the school community. And it will promote student achievement. And uh, I think it's just a, a great a great place to start and to continue working with. So that's my episode for today. I thank you for listening. As always, no guarantees on the next episode. I just was thinking about recent conversations and this time of year, and of course, writing some emails this morning, realizing that it had been two weeks since I had last updated the families of one of my classes. And uh, I thought I need to make sure that I do that today. So if there's somebody that you need to communicate with, send an update, please do that. Choose a way, whatever works for you and works for them. Otherwise, thank you for listening. Please join my Thrive in EDU community on Facebook. Would love to have you join. Great space to connect and learn. Plus, we go live on Mondays and Fridays. Always have a guest. Have some fun. And uh, it's a good way to either start the week or wind down the week. And also, if you are looking for uh, some new books, I will recommend those that I've written, not because of my own story, but because I have been able to share a lot of stories of many educators from around the world. And I could only do that by learning how to communicate and collaborate in these different digital spaces and building connections and relationships. So thank you again. I will catch you next time.